to fear not, to fear not. And I want to talk about that just a little bit as it relates to, um, you know, if you look about us in the world, there is uh, there's a lot of fear that's out there. Um, there's a lot of fear from people that they don't know what's going to happen, the fear of the unknown. You know, is our economy going to crash? Are we going to go to war? All these things you see in the news, the headlines, and it stirs people up, and they become so concerned over those things that are going on in the world. But what does the Lord tell us to do? Fear not. Why do you suppose that is? Why should we not fear these things? Because he's in charge. The Lord is in charge. After all, he created us, didn't he? He breathed into us the breath of life. He knows who we are. He knows our concerns. And if you lay those concerns at his feet... He'll take them away, won't he? Trenton, did you have a comment? He does say to not fear those who can kill the body, but to fear him who can kill the body and uh, cast it to hell. Or yeah. I didn't say that exactly how it's worded in the scriptures, but you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Fear him who after he has killed hath power to cast into hell. Now that's some fear right there. But should saints be fearful of that? No. That promise is only for those that are the rebellious and the sons of perdition. There's one place in the Doctrine and Covenants, 34.6d, it says, Fear not, little flock, for the kingdom is thine until I come. Behold, I come quickly. Even so, amen. And every time I read that, I go, okay, I'm not supposed to be afraid because the kingdom is mine. God, take it back. I'm screwing everything up. What do you mean, fear not? <laughs> he tells us to fear not, and he tells us why. Yeah, if he it in my hands, he's in trouble. He, he has left it in all of our hands, and so we, as the body of Christ, together shouldn't fear not, should we? It's not just you. It's not just Mike. It's not just Elisa. It's not just Holly. It's it's all of us. He tells us to fear not little flock. A flock's not a single. (laughs) Let's look. We're going to read, I think, probably that same, very same scripture. Let's look at the book of Luke, chapter 12. Verse 34 and 35 says, Therefore, seek ye to bring forth the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added unto you. Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. It's a very similar message. I think the one you quoted was in Doctrine and Covenants, wasn't it? Um, here's another one in Doctrine and Covenants. Let's turn to chapter six, section 6. In verse 16, 
Doctrine and Covenants, Section 6, verse 16, says, Therefore fear not, little flock, do good. Let earth and hell combine against you, for if ye are built upon my rock, they cannot prevail. Behold, I do not condemn you. Go your ways and sin no more. Perform with soberness the work which I have commanded you. Look unto me in every thought. Doubt not, fear not. Behold the wounds which pierce my side and also the prints of the nails in my hands and the feet. Be faithful, keep my commandments, and ye shall inherit the kingdom of God. What does he say here when earth and hell combines against you? Then he says, but if you are built upon what? The rock. My rock. Capital R. Rock. They cannot prevail. So if anything on earth or hell, if any of that combines against you, The counsel is don't worry about those things if you are built on my rock. Dad? Also, uh, we've got to remember the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit, which you talked about in the beginning. Yeah. So that's what can be given to us. Say that again. It's righteousness. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. It's in Romans, the 14th chapter, the 17th verse. Very That's good. what the kingdom of God is. Very good. You knew I was going to ask that question next, didn't you? What is the What is the kingdom of God? Look at the next uh, section there. It's uh, section 34, verse 6. It says, Keep all the commandments and covenants by which ye are bound, and I will cause the heavens to shake for your good, And Satan shall tremble, and Zion shall rejoice upon the hills and flourish, and Israel shall be saved in my own due time. And by the keys which I have given shall they be led, and no more be confounded at all. Lift up your hearts and be glad, for your redemption draweth nigh. Fear not, here's those words again, fear not, little flock, the kingdom is yours until I come. Behold... I come quickly. Behold, I come quickly. So I think my dad already answered the question because I was going to ask you, what is this kingdom that's being spoken of here? What is the kingdom? Peace and joy in the Holy Spirit was an answer. Also think about um, in Revelations, Uh, John the Revelator saw the woman. And the woman, what did she bring forth? A man-child. What did those two things represent? First, what did the woman represent? The church. And then what was the man-child that she brought forth? The kingdom. And he tells us, fear not, little flock. He's speaking to the church For it's the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. So within the church, within this woman, is the kingdom. And that kingdom will come forth in the due time of the Lord. Until that happens, he has given us that kingdom to be part of the church. 
Think about that. To be part of the church. So he tells us, don't fear all these things going on in the world. Don't be fearful of hell and earth combining against you. That's a big deal, in my opinion. Hell and earth combining against me. I don't think I can fight that battle. But he tells us not to worry about that. Fear not, is what he says. Brother Kyle? Over on the end of there. I always remember the words of my cousin Jim Gregg in many of his sermons. This fear, you know, we have for dying, I think, is one of the main ones. And he wants to, God wants us to live our life in such a way that we become like, you know, the sons of Mosiah or Alma or any of these men that had that pure love of Christ in them. You're not going to fear anything. You're just wanting to make sure everyone else is ready to see their maker and to be ready, like we said earlier, to stand before Jesus Christ to be judged. And we, we should not fear death at all. We should be looking forward to being with him. And even if we're taken, we're going to be coming right back with him, with the kingdom in heaven. You know, that's a big subject, Kyle. Talk about that, but you're exactly right. I mean, just think about it. If you're here on this earth to work out your probation, to be prepared to meet God, and you're in that state and you're ready to go, you shouldn't fear death because then your rest is going to be glorious, isn't it? Death is only hard for us left behind. i, I got to tell you, it's only hard for those of us that are, are left behind. And, and we mourn over those that are lost and gone on before us. But we should rejoice That's their reward. Anyway, that's another sermon. Stephanie. I always heard that you can't have fear and faith at the same time. And so in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, it says, But without faith it is impossible to please him, For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. I can't add anything to that. That just seems to say it all. Trenton? Oh, uh, Eleanor, sorry. My thought was, as hers, faith is the beginning of everything. We have to have the faith. Also, if we recognize that the soul is what needs to be saved and not the body we can ha- we can have that faith we have to recognize that how long we're here or what happens to us here is not the end it's not the goal and if we believe that it is the soul that we are to save if we have the faith to believe that and the knowledge there's there no, then it takes away fear very good. Thank you very much, sister. In section 17 of the Doctrine and Covenants, uh, verse 5, and I don't think I'm going to uh, read the entire verse. It's a little bit long. I'll let you do that later. But in trying to ask this question, you know, if we are to fear not, then how can we put our trust um, 
in the Lord and fear not. Why can we trust Jesus Christ to take away that fear? Maybe that's a better way of saying it. And I think there's several responses to that. But in section 17, verse 5, just a few highlights there. He suffered temptation, but he gave no heed to them. Jesus was tempted, but he gave no heed to them. So he can be our perfect example, can't he? We are surrounded with temptations. We are just flesh and bone. You know, we're weak. Jesus was flesh and bone, and yet he overcame those temptations. So I think we can put our faith in him that he understands the situation that we're in. Also, he rose again. We shouldn't be fearful of death like we were talking about. Because we have a resurrection that is promised to us where the body and the spirit will be reunited. Jesus broke the bands of death. He was the first to be resurrected, wasn't he? The first to be resurrected. He sits on the right hand of the Father. I think that's pretty good reason to trust him, don't you? And he reigns with almighty power that all should be saved. So I was... uh, Another hymn came to my mind as I was making preparation for, for this theme today. And I thought about this, he, this hymn because he has always helped people throughout all ages of time, hasn't he? And that hymn, it's uh, number 130 in the gray or 228 in the blue. Oh God, our help in ages past, our hope for years to come, our shelter from the stormy blast and our eternal home. These are the reasons that we can trust in the Lord. Before the hills in order stood or earth received her frame, from everlasting thou art God to endless years the same. He is eternal. We can trust him to know what's good for us because he has seen the past And he sees the future. He's not bound by time, is he? A thousand ages in thy sight is like an evening gone, short as the watch that end the night before the rising sun. Time like an ever-rolling stream bears all its suns away, They fly forgotten as a dream dies at the opening day. O God, our help in ages past, our hope for years to come, be thou our guard while troubles last and our eternal home. Have you ever thought about the Lord is your guard? We shouldn't be fearful because he is at our side. He is our guard. The only problem that we have is that we forget that. <laughs> he doesn't forget us, Brother Ed. And I, it seems that we, what we anchor our life in is where we put our hope. And the scripture from Ether, chapter 5, verse 4, I'll read 4 and 7, just those two. 
Wherefore, whoso believeth in God might with surety hope for a better world, yea, even a place at the right hand of God, which hope cometh of faith, maketh an anchor to the souls of men, which would make them sure and steadfast, always abounding in good works, being led to glorify God. And then down in 7 it says, Wherefore, dispute not because ye see not, for ye receive no witness until after the trial of your faith. For it was by faith that Christ showed himself unto our fathers after he had risen from the dead. And I just for me, it's weird. We're temporal. We're in the flesh. And so, so many times we want to control everything around us and anchor the fact that we can control our outcome and releasing that and anchoring in Christ, knowing the surety of the hope of eternity with him. That's a great scripture, Ed. Thank you so much for that. Isn't the Lord always by our side? Is there ever a time that he is not by our side? Say that again. Depends on our righteousness. That's the point that I want to make. He's always by our side unless we ask him to leave. Think about this. When did they take out prayer in school? I don't even know what the year was that they stopped praying in school. And, and I love, and you, you go to Buckner, you've heard me say this before, but I, I love this quote, and I think, it's a, I think it's Franklin Graham, Billy Graham's son, said that when asked that question, um, he said, God being the gentleman that he is, when we asked him to get out of our schools, he gladly stepped back. Well, not gladly, but he stepped away. But you get the point. You know, he's there by our side unless we tell him to go away. And then he's, okay, you're exercising your agency. You can choose to do that. Be cautious when you do such a thing because, honestly, that's pretty silly. And you can see what's happened in our schools since prayer was taken out. I'm sorry, Sister 1969, when prayer was taken out of our schools. The 60s. I don't know about that era. I was born during that decade. (laughs) That probably tells you a lot right there. It's interesting that we use the excuse that prayer has been taken out of school because it hasn't. We have that right to pray. Yeah. And what's interesting is there's been a Supreme Court ruling recently with a coach who would offer a prayer after a game. Mm-hmm. And he didn't ask anybody to join him, but they tried to take him to task on that. And that did not go through the Supreme Court. They did not rule on that. I should say they ruled on it, but they did not rule against him doing that. So we do have that right. We still and have that freedom. And, that's and that is that is the question that is before each and every one of us: is we don't if we do this singularly, we're we're displaying our belief and our faith. But we've got to do it singularly before we can do it corporately. Very and good. And that is that is very. That's a, that's a fact that we have to come to grips with. Brother Eric? 
Um, they, yes, we may have taken prayer out of school. We have taken God out of school. But you think about, we've really taken God out of a lot of things. We've taken it out of government. We've taken it out of business. We've taken it out of our marriages, our families. You know, we're, we're solely removing him from everything. And what will we be left with? Yeah, and I think that's the point that I'm, I'm trying to make here is you can see the condition of our country. I think you can, can't you? Are we a righteous nation? No, I don't think we are. Are there pockets of righteousness? I pray that there are. I hope that there are. I hope that we're counted as at least a pocket of righteousness. But see, we've been told that these things are going to happen. And we've been told it's going to be important because of the conditions of the world that we have a place that is established here in this land, a place called Zion, when we can go and we don't have to take up sword against our neighbor in our very own land. So I think there's an opportunity that we have to exercise our faithfulness and to show that because it's going to be needful to bring about that kingdom. Brother Dave? When a nation loses their God, or awareness of him, the morality drops and we become a tribal people. And that's where we're at, a tribal people, regardless what group or cause Everybody's got their hand up wanting something. And we fight among ourselves. And I personally believe we're at the point now that the only way we're going to change the hearts of men is is, uh, with the intervention of the things of God. Yeah, I think you're right. Brother Everett? I don't know where it was at where some kids were attacked and killed, some wrote into a paper and said, where was God when all this happened? And the editor wrote back, I wasn't allowed in. All right. So getting back to this subject of fear not, you know, I mentioned a little while ago that fear is often caused because of the unknown. And how wonderful it is that we worship a God that is not bound by time he's infinite he's eternal from beginning to end look at uh, in the book of mormon let's turn to the book of jacob the third chapter and i'm going to read verse 9 down through about verse 16 Behold, great and marvelous are the works of the Lord. How unsearchable are the depths of the mysteries of him. And it is impossible that man should find out all his ways. And no man knoweth of his ways, save it be revealed unto him. Wherefore, brethren, despise not the revelations of God. For behold, by the power of his word, man came upon the face of the earth, which earth was created by the power of his word, 
Wherefore, if God being able to speak, and the world was, and to speak, and man was created, oh, then why not able to command the earth or the workmanship of his hands upon the face of it, according to his will and pleasure? Wherefore, brethren, seek not to counsel the Lord, but to take counsel from his hand. For behold, he... Behold, ye yourselves know that he counseleth in wisdom and in justice and in great mercy over all his works. Wherefore, beloved brethren, be reconciled unto him through the atonement of Christ, his only begotten Son. I just wanted to make the point once again that his all-powerfulness, we are his creation, We walk on what is called his footstool that he created. If he did all of these things, can he not guide our path? Seems like it would be a simple thing for him. I think it would be a good point here to to, uh, throw out something I teach my kids. I have a junior class, and they study well above the junior level. And they keep me on my toes. But we talk about the nature of God. And I teach them three words that pretty much, if they can remember those, they're going to understand and appreciate the power of God. That is omniscient, omnipotent, and omnipresent. You're all-powerful, all-knowing, and everywhere all at once. And if they can understand that, you ask any of them from any of my classes. They all know that. My favorite words to describe God and the power that he has. And if you can appreciate that, then then you're well on your way to understanding what little we can understand about God. Yeah, we have a finite mind. At least I do. I won't speak for you all, (laughs) but I have a finite mind. I think those are three words that are excellent to describe our creator and who he is and a bit about his nature And it's hard to get our head wrapped around what all those things can mean. How can he be ever-present, you know, all the time? I don't know either, but he can. That's the promise. And every testimony that we hear, I think you'll hear those three things in those testimonies because that's part of his nature of who he is. We're quickly uh, running out of time for our class today. But on page four of our handout, I'll let you study out some of these things. I want to point out to you, though, that why is he worthy to be one to receive or take away our fears? It's because he's triumphed over death and hell. Because he was perfect and without sin. Because he claims you as one of his own. He recognizes that we were lost and needed to be saved. Man is lost and fallen and needs to be saved. And he bears witness to us and encourages us through life. And I want to read this particular testimony. It's just one small example, but I'm going to close with this testimony And this was found in Infallible Proofs. And it's speaking of the the gifts of the Spirit. 
and how the Lord bears witness to his people. He says, I will tell you of an incident that transpired under my observation. There was a large concourse of people, something like a thousand, both in and out of the church, assembled at a conference in Manchester, England, in the year 1841. One Sunday morning, they had preaching services. In the afternoon, the saints began to bear testimony to the truth of the work in which they were engaged. In the course of the meeting, a young sister arose and began to speak in tongues. Then a brother rose up and gave the interpretation in English, which proved to be a prophecy. After that prophecy, there was a young gentleman arose and said, My friends, I am not one of you. This is the first time that I've ever um, been in a meeting of the Latter-day Saints, but I've heard much about them. And I've heard that they had ancient gifts and blessings, but I could not believe it. I concluded to come and to hear for myself. He pointed to the young sister who had spoken in tongues and said, That lady did not know what she said. I am satisfied that she did not understand the language she spoke in. And the gentleman that gave the interpretation to what the lady said did not understand the language she spoke. I tell you what the language was. It was Hebrew. I am what you would call a converted Jew, and I'm well acquainted with the Hebrew language. I never heard anything so beautiful and true as that which I heard this afternoon. I am satisfied that the gentleman did not understand the language, but he interpreted it as correctly as I could have done myself. I am convinced that the Lord is with this people and that they have the ancient gifts of the gospel. I am ready to join this people. He was baptized in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and went to Nauvoo. I was acquainted with him there, and he was strong in the faith. You know, sometimes... It's important to not only hear our own, I'll call them contemporary testimonies, but to hear the testimonies of those saints that gone on before. And I'll tell you, brothers and sisters, I've never heard the gift of tongues in my life or the interpretation of tongues. I have heard lots of the gifts and seen and and witnessed those. So the question is, why do we not have those gifts today and I'll ask you the question how is your faith are you faith believing you know the Lord knows the importance of the early days of the church and the spread of the gospel and of the importance of having those gifts in his church for the convincing of those like this man here that that uh, arose and share his testimony Uh, It's also, you know, for those saints, if you think about the conditions that they were in, some of them were destitute. They had nothing. And the Lord gave them strong testimonies to encourage them and give them strength. He tells us to fear not. He knows what we need. He knows that we've covenanted with him in the waters of baptism and we are his children and he will take care of us if we would but be faithful. 
So I'm going to leave you on that note. Sorry I preached a mini-sermon there at the end. (laughs) wasn't my intent to do that. Um, Tomorrow, look at your handout for Tuesday. Read through all of these scripture lessons because the test tomorrow is even harder than it was today. So I'll look forward to, uh, to our time together. Hopefully I didn't run anybody off with that particular statement. But we'll see you tomorrow. Do your homework. Thank you.